How's everybody doing today? Good. Oh, come on. You're better than that. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. So first off, you guys have made it so incredibly easy to feel welcome here. So thank you so much for that. Um, I do know, however, there's one thing you will never fully accept about me. Here we go. Just get it out of the way, right? My daughter's upstairs in her 49er little cheerleader outfit, and she's so excited that it's Super Bowl Sunday. So just had to get this out of the way. I, I wanted to put this on, but I couldn't figure out a quick change way to get this on without messing up the mic, so just have to settle for the fact that it's up here with me. And um, we're watching the Super Bowl, you know, in our Niners gear, and it's going to be awesome. And if you like to sports banter and heckle, let's go. Let's bring it. Let's have a lot of fun. I can take the booze. I can take the cheers. This season was full of a lot of booze, even from me as I watched my team. It was, it's all good. So, again, though, thank you so much for having us. And there it is. Yep. I thought it was going to be my face in a jersey, so I can, I can take that. They, they ate the Niners this year, too. It's true. Now, it, it, seems, it seems that at one point, it seems like so long ago that we were here, you know, preaching in November, saying, we, you know, then you guys voted on us. And at the same vein, it seems so short. That time has really flown for us from the minute you guys welcomed us up, uh, welcomed us into your family to leading us up to here. And we are so glad that we are finally here. It's been a whirlwind of emotions and season for us back in California. And it's like Jamie said, I, I grew up in California, born and raised in the Bay Area, hence my love for the Niners. So it's, you know, that's where it comes from. But to leave that and come here was a huge step for us. But at the same time, it was one of the easiest decisions we ever made. It was so easy from, from the day we got that email to say, this is what God is calling us to do. This is where God is calling us to go. And although the goodbye was hard, it was so easy. And again, you guys made it incredibly easy for us from the day we came here to, to see you guys. In reality, from when uh, Jeff Nalbert caught us on the day we came to spy on you before we even applied. But even from that point, we felt so welcome. We felt so encouraged. And we've been flooded with Facebook messages and posts and texts from people just saying they're excited to have us here. So thank you all for that, for being just an incredibly welcoming presence for me and my family. Now, before I get started today, I also wanted to, to say thank you to a lot of people that have had a part to play in this process. Uh, first and foremost, Pastor Chris, I believe it was last week you said 27 years for Celebration Center. So, wow, thank you for, for starting this place all those years ago. Uh, for coming here, for bringing your family together with your heart and your vision and launching Celebration Center here in Puyallup. Um, you gave this church your passion, you gave this church your heart, and it's great to see what's, what's here now because of what you followed God to do when you started this place. So thank you for the legacy that, that you have left as we step into this role here. And for your personal support, you and Lisa, for me and Stephanie during this transition. We, uh, we, we love you as friends, and thank you so much for being there for us. I want to thank Pastor Mike Allison for the years that he put into this place, the, the four years or so that he was the pastor here. Mike and I uh, go way back, and I, it's been fun to, to kind of pick his brain. And I actually asked him a lot about all of you, so I know quite a bit about you guys already from Pastor Mike. But it's been fun to, uh, to see and get to know him even better as I'm stepping in here. So thank you, Mike, for the, the time that you put in here and the foundation you laid here at the church. I want to thank Pastor Nathan. I've never met Pastor Nathan, but I know that he took a big step following uh, God's calling his life to come here. So thank you, Pastor Nathan, for the foundation also that you laid as this way was prepared for me and Stephanie here. And I appreciate, even though it may have been a short time, the time that you did put coming in here. Pastor Jeff, Andrew, and Allie Farmer, thank you guys so much for the interim, for, for stepping in and leading the way that you have done. I know this is the first time I've actually got to meet and, and know you guys. 
But then for Ali and Andrew, I uh, work with a lot of your college friends, so I know quite a bit. It's going to be fun conversations later, but thank you guys for stepping in and leading the way that you have with integrity, with just quality leadership. Pastor Jeff, for the messages you've given, um, I've been able to tune in and listen as well. So thank you for what you've done and what you've given to be a part of here, keeping this place going as Stephanie and I were getting ready to come here. I can't thank you enough for the time you've given. Um, for Pastor Aaron, Pastor Mike, Pastor Kelly, and again, Pastor Chris for January, for speaking the way you guys did for as we buttoned up our final month in Martinez. And then lastly, Celebration Center, the board. Marshall, Jamie, Tana, Jeff, and Paul, you guys are incredible. Um, getting to know you this season has been awesome. And you guys, again, you've made us feel so much like home, and you've probably taken on responsibilities that you never thought you'd have in, uh, while you stepped onto the board. But you did so with excellence, you did so with integrity, and, um, and I thank you for the, the job that you did bringing us on, on board here. So thank you for your diligence and your commitment to excellence, and uh, thank you to Jesus for bringing us here. We're excited to get going. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this uh, time that we have here um, in your church. God, I pray today that everyone hears from you, that everyone here is touched by you, and God, that as we kick off this new season at Celebration Center, you are the focus of everything. God, you're the focus of, of the way we act, the way we talk, what we do, God, it all points back to you. So, so God, we come to you today just welcoming you into this place, knowing that you have something great for us ahead. We thank you, we love you. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, I got my Super Bowl juice ready to, ready to go. All right, real quick, who here is rooting for the Bucks? Just show of hands. A couple of you guys. Some of you guys still hate Tom Brady. It's okay. And so everyone else, Chiefs? Chiefs, there we go. Personally, what happened to me in the Super Bowl last year, I'm, I'm torn over this, right? It'd be fun to see history, but it would also be fun to see Mahomes lose, so I could say, take it for what you did to my Niners. But now that we're here, and Steph and I are here, I wanted to take a minute today to talk to you guys about new beginnings. All right, so here we are in 2021, just one month in now to 2021. This brand new start, and for my, me and my family, a brand new start here with you guys up in, in Washington. And I want to focus on Paul a little bit, because Paul gives some great examples of new beginnings in his letters, some great introductions and in how he starts to kick off these letters that he writes to these churches. Now, again, five weeks into 2021, and there's a real crazy thing about it, right? It already feels a lot like 2020. <laughs> a lot like 2020, right? So when the calendar year ended, New Year's Eve comes, midnight strikes, New Year's Day is here, 2021. It's like, what changed? Man. There's still all these restrictions. There's still all these rules. And I know we, we moved up here at the right time because the day we moved up, we were able to eat inside restaurants again. We we're like, win. Welcome to Washington. <laughs> but at the same time, those problems in 2020, what happens in New Year's? They follow you right into 2021. It, it's not like your problems hit that wall and think, oh, New Year, I can't follow you. No, they, they kind of just trickle along with you. And, and even though we want a new start, things are right there with us. They, they, they piggyback in like that, you know, that maybe that relative, you can't get out of your house. Like, come on, it's time to go, but they're still lingering around. Our problems are still here. Now, we do like to celebrate new things. People have New Year's parties. There's New Year's resolutions. People get real excited for a brand new start. As a matter of fact, New Year's resolutions are huge among people. Um, how many of you guys here even made, made a New Year's resolution? I know I do every year. I make a New Year's resolution. Whether I hold to it every year is a totally different story, but I make one. And I'm honest about it when I make it. But, you know, not everybody always holds the room. Now, I thought long and hard about my resolution this year. 
I was really thinking, all right, God, what do you want me to do? Knowing what was in store for me coming up here to Washington, knowing that it was going to be a brand new adventure for my family, that I was coming to a brand new church to be brand new people. Like, all right, God, give me something new. What's a good resolution I can make that I'm, that I'm really going to stick with? And I feel like God really resonated something in my heart. Something deeper that I, I never expected this to be my resolution, but I, I thought it was more than just a resolution for me. It was really God saying, Dustin, I want you to take this when you go. I want you to bring this to your new church family. And I want this to kind of be a rally call that you guys will embrace together. And so I'm going to start today, before I tell you what it is, by reading from 1 Thessalonians. Now, I really think that, that this thing that God really feels put on my heart can be a big cornerstone for our church, and I'm excited for it. But And you'll hear me say the word excited a lot. I know I re-listened to my Devo that I sent you last week, and I think 38 was the count. In three minutes that I said the word excited. So you're going to hear it a lot from me, because that's, that's who I am. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Paul writes this. He says, So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit, in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece, throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to all people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. Wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Now, these are just three, sh three, three short verses, but I think they convey an incredible message that I, that I really felt God pulling my New Year's resolution from. Now, as Christ followers, or even as New Year's people making those resolutions, we've all heard the phrase, this year I'll blink. That's kind of the, the format for the New Year's resolution, right? This year I'll, and then everyone fills in their own thing. Um, people will say, this year I'm going to lose weight. This year I'm going to save money. This year, I'm going to pay off my debt. This year, I'm going to eat healthier. This year, I'm going to... I mean, there, there's, a, there's tons of things people say when they make their resolution, right? Now, I saw a picture online. So New Year's Day was Friday. And I saw this great picture online that came out on Friday. It said, here's to everyone, including me, who said they would eat healthier this year. And they've already said, I'll start on Monday. <laughs> right? So one month in, I'm sure some of us have made them. Some of us have broken them. But... Ultimately, we all want to be better than last year. And I think we can all agree, we want 2021 to be better than 2020, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, let's be honest, 2020 set a real low bar. Real low bar. It's not going to take much, it seems, to have this year be a much better year than last year. But I know for me and my family, even the fact that this journey has taken us here, we're already knowing this year is going to be better than last year. God's going to do incredible things. And I know it's going to be amazing for all of us. So my phrase this year... That what God's put on my heart was this. This year, I'll take my walk with Jesus more seriously than ever. This year, I'll take my walk with Jesus more seriously than ever. Now, now this is a big challenge. So hear me, I'm not trying to say that anyone in here does not take their walk with Jesus serious. And I know that I personally take my walk with Jesus very, very serious. But it started to weigh on my heart. Like, all right, God, what, what do you mean take it more serious? I, I really feel like I am. I mean, look, look, look what you're doing in, in my life and my family's life. I think I am taking it serious. But God started saying things to me. It's like, hey, there's things you can grow in. There's things you can change. There's, there's things you can tweak and adjust to really, to really put it on your heart to know that you are taking me more serious than ever. And I wanted to unpack that with you guys this year, and, or today, and how I think that this year we can all change and move into this together. How we can say, as a church, as Celebration Center, we're going to take this more serious than we ever have. And it sounds like a big task, and it is, but I know it's something we can all do because we've got a God who takes us very seriously. And I know that we can all move into taking him even more seriously than we ever have. 
So I, I think it breaks down to a few things. And the first is this. If I want to take my walk with Jesus more seriously than ever, I can't be fake. If I want to take my walk with Jesus more seriously than ever, I can't be fake. Now, Titus 1.16 says this about false teachers um, faking their walk with Jesus. It says this. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. That's pretty deep. That, that just cuts right to it. It says these people are not doing what they're supposed to, and it's bad. And he's, talk, he's talking about how these false teachers are going to be condemned for not backing up what they say. They're, they're literally saying one thing and then totally doing something else. And Paul says this is going to come back to bite them. It's not a good thing. I don't want to be fake. So let me, let me ask you guys this today. Are you good at spotting fakes? I mean, just in general, in life with things. Can you look at something and know it's a fake? I know maybe some husbands right now are thinking, oh my gosh, don't have my wife look at her wedding ring right now. Please don't look at that ring right now. But, you know, I mean, people, can, people can spot fakes. Um, a show that I used to love to watch, I watched it, I watched it religiously, was Pawn Stars. I loved watching Pawn Stars. And if you're not familiar with the show, it follows a pawn shop. And you have the, the owner of the store, his dad, his son, and his son's best friend, who is ridiculous. It's, it's a funny show to watch. But it goes the, the day in the life of running a pawn shop. And people would come into this store with incredible things. Whether it was sports memorabilia, uh, Super Bowl rings and trophies, or even relics of history. Like bullets and weapons that were in the Revolutionary War. Or just some things that you'd be like, wow, how could they get that? And I loved the show because they would go into the actual history of whatever object was brought in. But the catch, people would be coming in to get a payday. They'd really want to sell this item to the, the pawn shop to get money for it. And the pawn owners were not experts. They, they didn't know what was real and what wasn't. So they would call in the experts. And this is where the show got real fun. The experts would come in and they would bring their book of facts about this object. So they'd really try and pick apart, is this fake or is this real? Now, often they would say it's real. And then the, the negotiating would begin on how much the person wants to sell it for. What's the pawn shop really going to give for them? And that was always fun to watch. But what was even more entertaining was when the item was a fake. When the, history, when the historians or whatever would say, the experts would say, this item is fake, you could tell whether that customer, if they really got duped in their life, I mean, they were cheated when they acquired it, or if they were trying to cheat the pawn stars of, of their money. And that's where it got really, really interesting to watch. But it was fun to see what is fake and what is real, because some of these things were really convincing, only to find out they were fake. So how good are you at finding out what's fake? And I think when it comes to our walk with Jesus, it can be really easy, actually, to look at your own heart and say, all right, am I being real or am I being fake? Am I really practicing what I'm doing or am I just kind of going through some motions? And I did a visual with actually the students at Creekside with this to have, kind of help them understand what it is to see a phony versus see the real thing. So I called them up on stage and I got 12 different students throughout the night and I would give them a real something to eat and a fake something to eat. But they looked exactly the same. For example, I bought Pop-Tarts, and then I bought Great Value toaster treats. <laughs> same flavor, they looked the same, but when the students ate it, they could easily tell, this is the Pop-Tart, this is garbage. <laughs> they, they could figure it out real quick. I got Hostess Cupcakes, and then I got Los Penguinilos. They looked exactly the same, but the students could tell within one bite what was the real thing. I bought Coca-Cola, and I bought store brand Coke, whatever it was. And just within one drink, they knew, this is real, this is fake. And I said, guys, that, that's what I want us to focus on. 
I want us to, to not be confused by, oh man, is this a real thing, is it not? I want us to be focused on, man, if we're giving everything to God, we can be real about it. And we can know we're giving it our all and we're not going to be fake. It can be really, really easy to spot a fake. So I actually did this with Aurora, not on purpose, my nine-year-old, but I have a favorite soda. I love Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper, I think, is just on a level of its own, and I love it. And unfortunately, my nine-year-old also has an addiction now to Dr. Pepper. But one day, we were having a thing at our house, and I was at the store, and I was walking down, and I saw Dr. Thunder. It was like 89 cents for a big old bottle. I was like, yep, on a budget. There we go, Dr. Thunder. I get home. Aurora asks me for a cup of soda, and so I pour her some, and she says, what is it? I say, it's Dr. Pepper. She takes a drink. The look on her face, I will never forget. She spat that out, just about, and she was like, Dad, what is this? I said, Dr. Pepper. She goes, you're a liar. It's not Dr. Pepper. And so I showed her the bottle, and, and she now is forever scarred when it comes to off-brand Dr. Pepper. But she spotted the phony so fast. Now think about how good are you at being able to spot a phony? Now, not just when it comes to material things, but when it really comes to your life and people around you. I'm sure we can all even think of somebody, maybe, who we, when we interact with them, we think, you know what, that person's not even being real. That person's not showing me who they really are. Now, don't shout out any names out loud. That could go real bad. But I'm sure someone in your mind may have popped up, right? But the thing is, we have to remember that when we may laugh at our friends, or we may have that little bone in our body that's a little condemning, like, oh man, they're not being real. Remember, we do that too. We all do that too. We've either been there, or we will be there at some point in time. Some people make their career off of, sport, of sporting and finding a fake. Another show I like to watch was To Tell the Truth. And most of you may know that show. You've got the, the panel of people trying to figure out who's lying, and then you've got three people saying, I'm a professional boxer, I'm a professional boxer, I'm a professional boxer. Only one of them really is, but they're all asked, answering the same questions. And the panel has to figure out who it is. If we were to, to put ourselves on a panel and evaluate our life, we'd have to ask, are we really answering our questions out of the genuine necessity and, and feel of our heart, or are we just going through motions? People can excel at spotting fakes. They can look at diamonds or money and know right away if it's not real. And then there's God. You see, I love this because God knows us so much better than we even know ourselves, right? We have this God who, who looks at us and says, I know everything about you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. You see, this is, this is not just like your best friend who says, I've been with you your whole life. I know everything you're thinking. God literally is like, I know everything you're thinking and what you're about to think. I know where you're going to go. I know every hair on your head. I know who you would fall in love with, what job you were going to have, where you were going to go in life. I mean, for, for me to think that when I was just a little pastor's kid at Creekside causing chaos, because that's what pastor's kids do, God knew I was eventually going to come here and be a pastor here. I never would have thought that. But God knows everything. There's no faking what he has for you. We can tell people that we want to fit in. We can tell people whatever we want. When we, uh, we go to work, we can put on that work face, right? This is my work personality. This is my church personality. This is my home personality. But you can't fake your personality when it comes to being real with God. You just can't do it. You may be able to fake others out, but there is no faking God. And there is no realistic way to fake having a relationship with him. Say that again. There is no realistic way to fake having a relationship with him. This year, I'll take my walk with Jesus more seriously by not being fake. I'll make sure I mean what I say. I do what I say. 
I want to make sure that in my conversations, in my interactions, in my relationships with everybody I have, I'm being real. I'm showing kindness. I'm showing honesty. And I'm showing love. Because that's what God ultimately shows me. That's what I want to emulate. There's a passage, again, the one I read in the beginning, 1 Thessalonians. There's a word in here that I love in the first couple verses. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8, it says, So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. Now, I love this line. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. I love that. In the way, in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. You see, Paul encourages the Thessalonians here by saying, you were imitators of God. And that became models for others of how they were to live. Now, this was a chain reaction that Paul's talking about. Because you see, he was saying, you were imitating us. But the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, they were imitating the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians, in turn, were imitating the churches in Judea. And the churches in Judea were, in turn, imitating Paul. And Paul was imitating Jesus. And so what we see is this beautiful chain reaction with Jesus as the foundation. When someone says, I'm going to imitate Jesus, someone else notices and they start to imitate it. And then someone else notices and they start to imitate it. And sure enough, now Paul's saying, all these people are imitating this. And it all comes back to Jesus. I love that. People are... People are getting revolutionized, not even really knowing why at this point. It's just he says that people, everyone, everywhere you go, people are telling us about your faith in God, and it all comes from a chain reaction of imitating the one worth imitating, and that's Jesus. It all points to him. This year, I'll take my walk with Jesus more seriously than ever by imitating him. Now, when we say this, though, do you think it was easy? Do you think it was hard? I mean, when it comes to imitating the one who shows you perfect love, who shows you perfect peace, perfect kindness, perfect compassion, Ultimate justice, ultimate truth and grace. Let's imitate that. No problem, right? Yeah, we got this. Let's go do it. I mean, obviously it's not easy. I mean, if it was easy, God wouldn't have had to send Jesus in the first place. God would be able to say, no, you've got this. I, I laid it out for you. Go for it. But God knows this is not an easy task. And he sent Jesus to give us that model, that perfect model that Paul said, we, we got to walk with him. We got to see what he did. We experienced it. Now let's imitate it. Let's copy it. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. You see, Paul, Paul is kind of like that one-on-one that -on -one athletic trainer right there, or that sports, that sports coach that you have. Now, have you ever experienced or seen a coach say, this is how you do it, and then do the opposite? That's a bad coach. <laughs> That's a really bad coach. I mean, Paul is saying, that what, he's like imitating that person who does it with you. So I love to play golf. Now, when I say play golf, I love to hack at that ball and see where it goes. I am not good, but I have so much fun out there. But one year, Stephanie got me golf lessons for Christmas. She saw how bad my game was and it needed help. So I got to go get golf lessons. And when I got up there, the, the golf professional comes out and says, all right, Dustin, let me see your swing. And I swung. He says, never let me see that again. Never do that again. And I was like, okay. And but... But he did something amazing. He gets up there, and he holds the club, and he starts walking me through a golf swing, what a good golf swing looks like. And when I watched him swing, I immediately thought, I need to imitate that. That's what I have to do. He was giving me the perfect example, and when he hit the ball, it didn't look like he swung very hard, and that thing went further than we could see. And then I swung, and it went that way. You know, so golf, golf is hard, guys. <laughs> it's harder than it looks. But I did know that I wanted to be an imitator of that golf professional. If I wanted to up my game, if I wanted to get better at what I was doing, I had to look at someone who knew what they were doing and imitate it. 
The same principle for our lives when it comes to Jesus. If we want to take our walk with Jesus serious, we want to say, you know what, God, use me. Take me, take all me and use me. We've got, to, we've got to take that point and say, let me imitate what Jesus did. Let me imitate the way that he talked. Let me talk like him. Let me act like him. Let me love like him. We've got to use him as our ultimate example for how we will walk through in our life. And you can see in the verse in Thessalonians that it works, verses 7 and 8. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only there, but your faith became known everywhere. What a compliment, right? I mean, what the, that is the best compliment I think you could ever get to say, hey, because of the way you're living for Jesus, this person is now living for Jesus. That's an incredible thing to be told. And Paul is totally affirming this church, saying, you guys are doing it. Because of the way you're living, the word is spreading. And I love that. This year, I'll take my walk more serious by imitating him. And don't mistake imitating for faking it. When I was talking to someone about this before, they said, it seems like the two words are interchangeable, but here's the difference. Faking it is when you're not genuine or you're counterfeit. You're pretending to be something that you're really not. Imitating is when you're using something or someone as a model. One seeks to fool, the other seeks to be more like. This year, I want people to, to look at me, to, to look at us and say, let's be more like them. Not just for the sake of them, but because they are trying to be like Christ. I think that's an incredible testimony we can have as a church. I don't want people to look at me and think I'm pretending to be something I'm not. I want them to look at me and know that I'm striving to be something so much bigger than I can be because I'm striving to be like Jesus. Now, the Thessalonians and Christians, they were in a time and a place where they were persecuted for this. They, they were going out and they were literally being hunted down, not just unfriended on social media, not just being told, nah, you know, we, we don't want to really hang out with you anymore. You're, you're kind of weird. But they were literally being persecuted and killed for this. And it was a serious issue. Following Jesus and saying, I want to be more like him, was literally a matter of life and death. Now, it might surprise you that even today, maybe it won't surprise you, maybe you know this, but even today there are people that still, when they say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to give Jesus everything I have, they face some pretty horrible persecution. You know, we're so blessed to be in a country where we're not persecuted for it, but there are people that are persecuted and even put to death. There's a book I read back in middle school called Tortured for Christ by Pastor Richard Warnbrand. Some of you who have been in the ministry thing for years may, may have heard about it, but this pastor starts talking about all these different things that he went through being a missionary overseas and how he was actually persecuted and tortured for his love for Jesus. One of the stories that rings out to me was when he was in prison. I couldn't tell you what country he was in, but I know that he was in a prison cell and he would climb over to the wall and he could talk to the person on the other side of the wall. So he decided he was going to start preaching. And so he's talking to this other person about his love for Jesus, and the guards come in, and they take Pastor Wormbrand out, and they start beating him, telling him, be quiet, be quiet, you can't do that here. And he never stops. Eventually, they're done, and they put him back in the cell. He's broken and crippled. He crawls over to the wall, and the first words out of his mouth are, where did I leave off? And he starts going at it again. Man, that is someone who takes his walk seriously and says, I'm not going to let anything stop me. Today, through the pain and suffering, people follow Christ at a great cost. But how many of us, I know I can't really say it, but how many of us can truly say we've sacrificed something to show how serious we are about our walk with God? Um, I've lost a friend here or there. I have. You know, people find out that you know, they, they really see how serious I am about wanting to, 
to, to talk about Jesus and live my life for him. There, there are people that make fun of me. As a matter of fact, this last night, I got a message from someone I've never met on Instagram. And it said, you're a horrible person. You're a explicitive pastor. Never met this person. But, but I know that there's someone right there that knows what I stand for, disagrees with what I stand for, and is just throwing things out. Now, as you get to know me, you will know and you'll learn, I hate it when people don't like me. It drives me crazy. I want to find out what don't you like about me, why don't you like me, I'm likable, what's wrong with you? It's, it's true, it goes through my mind. Like, what, what, did I, what did I say, what do I do? Why don't you like me? But what I do know is I have never really suffered for my walk with Jesus. I've gone through hard times, but I can honestly say I don't know if I've ever really suffered or sacrificed. I know that probably one of the biggest sacrifices we've ever made was, was the move up here. But at the same time, I look back at that and go, we're excited to do this. Usually when you think of a sacrifice, you don't look at, yeah, let's do it. Let's get rid of something, right? It, it's, it's more of something that, that costs you. But have I really lost something because I decided to imitate Jesus with every fiber of my being? That's a question I've been evaluating this month and something I know I'm going to be evaluating in my quiet time with God. Sure, maybe we'll be left out of things. Maybe when, when we say, this is what I'm going to do with every fiber of my being, there'll be someone who doesn't invite you to their house when it's legal to do so. But you know, but you, you don't know what the cost may be. But I do know that if I'm going to be serious about my walk with Jesus, it's probably going to cost me something. All throughout scripture, we see people where we see incredible cost given. But I love that it's never just a story about loss and sacrifice. You ultimately see the story of how God redeems and restores and builds. And people that give their life to God, God does incredible things through. And I know that's always the hope when I go through a hard time. I say, man, I'm going to take my walk serious. And it's going to hurt sometimes, but I know what God has in store. I mean, I know exactly, but I know it's good. I know there are good things waiting for me down the road. It's extremely easy to say, I'm going to give everything to God when everything's easy. But when those hard times come, I think that's when the faith is going to be tested. It's going to be really hard when you realize, this may cost me something that I like. This may cost me something that I really love. But that's when it gets put to the test. When we decide to let our love and desire, our love and desire to follow God be stronger than any other love and desire we have in our life, that's when I think we get to see God work wonders. We get to see God show why he's God and why we are not. Paul is seeing this with his friends in in the, Thessalon the Thessalonica here, they're living out their faith in an incredibly different way, in an incredibly difficult time. See, they're living under Roman rule. They're, they're living in a time where polytheism, they're worshiping many gods, and here comes Paul saying there's only one. And he sent his son, and we're following him. They're Roman rule and Greek influence, and now you have something totally different coming to the forefront, and people are noticing it. But I love it. You see, they believed in multiple gods that we often hear about in Greek mythology. You know, Hercules, Zeus, Hera. You get all this stuff that we call mythology. This was real to them. This was who they really prayed for. This is what they had statues for. And Paul is coming and saying there's something different. But what I love is that in the middle of this polytheistic culture, the middle of this land where everyone is worshiping all these gods, they're noticing the church and the people who are worshiping one god. They're noticing the difference that these people are making. It's not just saying, and then you came in and you're being shunned. It says, no, people are noticing you. People are seeing that you're imitating this Jesus, and they're starting to change. That's an incredible testimony. Their belief in Christ was lived out, and it changed lives. I know that we can all wrestle with, with questions. 
<clears throat> and a question that I wrestle with now is this. So what does my faith look like to those around me? What does it really look like? If I were to, to, to step back and look at the life of, of Dustin Warford, what does his faith look like? What would somebody else see? Would they look at me and say, you're like Paul. You're like an imitator of Jesus. Or would they say, hey, you're not really backing up what you're saying. You're doing this and it's contradictory. It's this, this whole thing God's put on my heart that's really forced me to evaluate that. Paul said that their faith rang out to everyone. I want that to be, I want that to be celebration centers cry this year. I want that to be, I want people to be able to look and say, man, look what's going on at that church. Not because of us, but because of what God's doing through this place. Be able to say, man, people coming out of that church, are, they're loving each other. They're expressing kindness to one another. They are imitating the life and the actions of Jesus. And then, then they can come check us out and they can say, oh, it's not about the place. It's about the God we serve who's working through this place. I think that's an incredible thing that we get to do. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's there's a portion in that verse that we tend to skip over, right? After you have suffered a little while, it's almost like, no, let's just mm-hmm, take that one out. But, but it says that, right? After you've suffered a little bit, God's going to pour out some amazing things. And after through the, through the restoring that he does in us, when we live for him, we get to see the work the, around the people around us. So I get excited and I start fumbling over my words. Sorry, you'll have to... You have to understand that about me a little bit. But again, to hear people say, what's happening in this place? And we get to point them to Jesus. I think that's one of the best compliments we could ever get as a church. To know that we are pointing people to Jesus just because of our actions. Because we're imitating him. So, what would that look like in our life right now? What would it look like for you? Think about that question. For you personally to say, I'm going to live my life this way for Jesus. What would that look like? What would it look like at home? What would it look like at work? What would it look like if you're doing virtual school with kids? What would it look like with the people that you're Zooming with or Google Hangouts, however you're doing virtual things in your own home? What would it look like to say, in this moment, people are going to know that I'm imitating Jesus? I'm not going to be weird about it, but people will know I'm imitating Jesus. What would it look like with your kids, your friends? Maybe a friend who you may be a little too... uh, gun shy to, to invite to church. I don't know where they stand, but what would it, what would it look like in that moment? Because I'm going to be an imitator of Jesus, and this is what it's going to take to show this person who I love so dearly, I want them to learn how to be an imitator of Jesus. What would it look like for each person here? I'd like to invite the worship team back up today as we, as we come to a close. But living as imitators of Christ, I better move this so she doesn't stomp all over my jersey on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Living as an imitator of Christ means we live as Christ lived. And how did Jesus live? He loved, he served, and he sacrificed. So in turn, I think that we need to, more than anything, we need to show love. We need to serve, serve our neighbors. Even if it's people you don't feel like serving, we need to love them and serve them. And it's going to cost something. It's going to take sacrifice. Easier said than done. That's one thing to say it, right? And a totally separate thing to actually go and do it. But I pray that's what our faith looks like this year. I pray that's what we get to do at Celebration Center. We love, we serve, we sacrifice, and we do it because he loved, because he served, because he sacrificed, and he is the one worth imitating. There are people around us, people in your jobs, people in our homes, maybe even people right here today who need to see Jesus in these ways. 
They need to feel love. They need to be served. They need to know that someone's going to sacrifice something because they love them. Not to say how great we are, but to say how great the one that we are imitating is. Doesn't mean we live perfect. We're all going to mess up. Romans says this, <laughs> that, we, that we all fall short. But choose one of these ideas to live out this week. Choose one of these. Love, serve, sacrifice. Pick one and say, this week I'm going to focus on this. And I'm going to let I'm going to let my love for Jesus be why I'm doing this. And then maybe next week you pick the next one. And the next week you pick the next one. But I love that when we get to do it, we get to see God work so many amazing things in our lives. Paul said it best. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Let that be the focus and foundation as we kick off this new season together. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see what God is going to do through this place, through us, because we are going to say, we're going to stomp loud. That's right, kids. And we are going to be imitators of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you sent Jesus, the one that we get to imitate, who lived the perfect life, who showed us how to love, showed us how to serve, showed us how to sacrifice. And God, I ask that that starting, starting now, we say, I'm going to take my walk with you more serious than anything. I'm going to take today to say, I'm not going to fake anything. I'm going to imitate you. I'm going to love. I'm going to serve. I'm going to sacrifice. God, I'm going to give you everything because you gave me everything. And because of that, we get to see you do amazing things, starting here and eventually through all of Puyallup and Washington because of who you are. Not because of us, but because of you. So, God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said,